This is the Intentional Disruption Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Demo. Today it's episode 90, and as I look out of my office, we're getting the first snow of the year here in Connecticut, and it's a beautiful thing to be able to look at. It is part of one of my favorite times of year, and that good energy is something that has definitely served me because it hasn't been necessarily easy to be super positive all the time, um, especially in the industries that I know quite well. It's been an interesting year. And when I say interesting, it's been, it's been challenging. There's a lot of people that are facing issues with being a commoditized product or service that haven't made the shift in what their core offers look like to make them more compelling in an increasingly tightening market. And today what I wanted to do is share some of the lessons from my year so far. Uh, A lot of the rest of the year I'm going to be really digging into what my 2023 goals are going to look like, what my Q1 specifically targets are going to be as far as uh, growth opportunities inside of my organization. But I wanted to share some of the things that I've learned from whether it's my clients, uh, podcasts that I've been on, and a few other key pieces in the hopes that it's going to help you be able to advance yourself as well. Because at the end of the day, the reason that I do this podcast is not obviously to get rich. Uh, Turns out being a top 10 global podcast doesn't make you Mr. Beast or um, whatever the kids are doing nowadays. Okay, boomer. But what I did this year was pretty, pretty impressive. And... Ironically, going into 2023, there will be more intention put into certain aspects of what I've been doing to gather a even greater result. So how does the year recap so far? If we're talking about the podcast itself, um, last month was actually, uh, I think, the second best month that we've had for the podcast, uh, month over month growth of almost 100% in the podcast which tells me that there's uh, resonation in the message that I send. I don't do paid ads or a ton of promotion, which probably should at this point, it sounds like, but the message is getting out there. And if I can help you to be more successful, that's a very good thing. When I started this podcast, I was on a little bit of a different track personally, and I wanted to share the pain and struggles that I had and what I was doing to make that intentional shift. So now I'm sharing some of that in the more business side of the house. And speaking of business, so what have I done this year? So I've helped 26 small businesses over the course of 2022. The level of engagement differed from yeah, a couple consulting calls to uh, working a little bit more in detail on developing out 
business plans, strategies, things of that nature, to one-on-one coaching and consulting. I've been a guest on six different podcasts and been able to share some of the things that I do and my clients do with a broader audience to help other Americans and Actually, I mean, there's a bunch in Europe and Australia too. So I guess I should say globally, mostly in the United States, but to help them adapt to what's a very, very interesting economic situation. And especially in the financial markets with the raising of rates by the Fed and the tightening of funding, how to be more lean in the acquisition and startup world. So that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about. As I look back over, specifically, there's 16 people that I helped when it came to the funding side of the house as well. I've learned a lot. And I have to give a shout of gratitude to the folks at MSouth Capital. They were very, very helpful this year in helping me identify Uh, opportunities for funding. And there's been a few family offices that have done that as well, Lighthouse among a few others. And when I say thank you, that is because a couple of the people that came to me this year were from pretty varied backgrounds. It would be ideal in my world to be more niched down, to be certain, but I have a soft spot for helping uh, veterans in small business and they happened to be from a couple different areas where there was transportation, physical fitness. There were quite a few outside of my normal trades-based and medical uh, consulting situations. And when there wasn't a fit, it wasn't, no, this doesn't work. They said, hey, this isn't right for us, but let me introduce you to somebody else. And honestly, that's the best thing that you could do for somebody is if you can't be of service, provide them another opportunity to identify someone that can serve them. It's something that I've done personally. As long as I've been in sales, marketing, management, you know, we're going back over 20 years. And it was really cool that there's other people that have those same core values. So uh, M South Capital and there were a few others. Um, I definitely appreciate what you guys did for my clients this year. Now, that being said, one of the lessons that I learned was not all equity firms are created the same. And there were a few, I won't go into names, that were shady is the nice word. I try not to cuss too much on this podcast. But they are niched down and they are an expert in a particular field. You'd expect that they actually can do that. Now... When I come to the table, I come with everything you need to go forward and start to process a deal, whether it's the business plan, the acquisition plan, every different piece, financials, all those things. Like they're ready to go. The research has been done to show that it's going to be viable in its field and now it's time to do funding. There were a few firms that in the initial phone call, were very gung-ho. They were experts in these particular fields. And it turned out 
once we got a few steps down the line that they said, well, we're going to have to do some research to see what the market looks like. I don't know what you guys, but using my automotive experience when I worked for Subaru, I know how a Toyota RAV4 or a Honda CRV compares to a Subaru Forester. That's my job. I know the key specs. I know the market trends. I know my competitive advantages and disadvantages. And I'm ready to speak upon those things. Heck, it's been 10 years since I worked there and I could probably still conduct that same conversation with just an hour or so to re-spin myself up on a couple things. But if you are looking to leverage some of these equity funds and firms, do your diligence. And I'd even say get referrals because I, I was very disheartened with the time that I had to spend working with those people. I also had a couple of really good family offices that I got to work with this year. And I mentioned one of them before Lighthouse. Um, I have friends at Altium in New York and fantastic individuals from a support standpoint. But those are people that I knew or I was personally referred to. And I was going to put this at the end of the episode, but if you are connected with any of those types of firms, right now I've got 10 separate small businesses looking for uh, growth capital. They're willing to give an equity stake plus uh, interest payments on a loan or bring someone on as a junior partner. Um, so either family offices or some of these uh, equity firms, I do have vetted out opportunities that even in uh, today's crazy market, they still work because they solve a core need that can't readily be replicated elsewhere, which is an important thing. So going on to some of the lessons I learned from some of the people that I worked with. One of them, I'll call him Dave because that's his name and really good dude. He wanted to get into custom millwork, which is adjacent to one of the trades that I work with in the construction side of the house. We wanted to get into creating high quality board work, millwork, and had a problem being more of a startup with how do I get startup capital to do what I want? See, he needed equipment in order to do this, but instead of just talking about the equipment, we put together the plan so that he could not only get the equipment, but also have people to work the equipment so that he could stay inside of his zone of genius and do some of the Sawyer work. He's doing fantastic. And if you do want custom boards for your high-end project, he is a fantastic resource uh, shipping out of Tennessee. I'm happy to put you in contact. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on that. And with him... What was really special is the willingness to adjust fires, adapt, and then most importantly, execute. We identified how to go forward. And instead of 
thinking and thinking and honestly overthinking. It's like, all right, we have a plan. Let's go execute. And that's something that I've seen in a lot of the veterans that I assist is they're usually a little bit quicker to act than some of the non-veteran people that I work with. It doesn't make one better, no, no shame, guilt there. It's just there's some enculturation for a lot of the GWAP veterans where the speed to execution seems to be uh, very rapid, which is fantastic to see. Now, on the other side of that, one of the projects that did not go through was related to the acquisition of a hardware store. And that one, I'll, I'll, I'll take on me. This was a situation where a veteran was looking to acquire a business and the initial numbers that I received turned out not to be accurate. And this business was really close, razor's edge, to where the cost of capital to acquire would have made it so that the deal just wasn't going to be profitable. And it took a while to get that information and to finally come to that conclusion. Now, if somebody was doing an all-cash deal, it's fine because, you know, you don't have to leverage debt. But in this case, the individual did. And that comes back to a point. You need to know your numbers. And this individual had been working inside of the hardware store, but they didn't have good accurate reporting on the numbers. So you need to know your numbers, and a lot of that is on the seller if it's an acquisition, but you need to know what the numbers look like so you can identify whether there's an opportunity to leverage. That became more and more important as the year went on, as the cost of capital increased essentially by double. It's pretty wild. Um, The SBA is great, but a lot of the folks that I work with don't fit into the SBA bucket. A lot of the times it's because of the length of time a business has been open, um, what they're looking to use the funds for from the growth standpoint, and also the time requirements where they needed access to capital more rapidly. It's one of the soft underbelly issues that um, last week I saw Dr. David Kelly from J.P. Morgan in person. And on the Acela corridor and on the trillion dollar asset manager side of the house, they don't really see that as much. But if you're going to have to pay 15, 20% interest, that means that your net margins are probably going to be 5 to 10%. So the cost of capital is almost equal to the margins of the business. Now in a e-commerce type situation, obviously the margins are going to be different, but for businesses, you know, real people in real locations, it's really tight. It's really tight. And that's where coming to know your numbers and what the growth opportunity can be is so important. That ties in with another uh, gentleman that I assisted with. And there were funding opportunities missed because we didn't have a clear and concise 
vision for how the funds would be used, and that vision wasn't expressed in a cogent fashion. Some of that falls on me. I evidently didn't ask the right questions to ensure that I fully understood what the project entailed, and that made things a little bit harder, because even with an NDA, getting some of the information, again, a little bit hard, but at the end of the day, what the actual ask was didn't have anything to do with the pro forma that had been presented. We went through and we did a redevelopment of the pro forma, and that one is actually uh, still in process of identifying funding. Um, so if there's anybody that is interested in Opportunity Zone opportunities in the uh, Texas region specifically, I've got a fantastic one. Now we've got the materials up to date for exactly what the mission looks like. So again, I learned a lot this year and a lot of it came down to my communication as well. Am I clearly asking for the things that are required in order to make it happen? In that case, initially, I didn't. I misunderstood what the goal was because it's a two-part with a second funding source down the road and there are other things, but all of that clutter made the initial step much harder to do. I've worked with a couple people that have access to eight figures of capital and they weren't sure what to do with it. And that's an interesting quandary to be in. It's a good quandary to be sure. But if you don't know what you want to do, it's hard to pull the trigger when a fantastic opportunity comes up because you're not sure if it fits your specialization, your future goals, and where you see things going. So again, if you're looking and you've got some dry powder, taking the time to understand your zone of genius, how involved you want to be, these are all important things to see where that capital should be leveraged. Now, since we're talking about capital, there also was a gentleman that I assisted where we had to make changes. The cost of goods went up significantly over the course of the year, and the build-out for what this individual was doing uh, essentially doubled over the course of a three-month period, which is pretty wild. But being able to see how to get the minimum viable product launched instead of the perfect product of your dreams, it's an important thing. You know, I see quite often where like we all want to have this perfect dream picture, but is that more important than getting off the ground? Not necessarily. Sometimes you just need to get your foot in the door, get traction so that you can progress forward. Now, personal lessons for myself, I need a better CRM. I'm in the process of debating from going from Excel to moving over to Salesforce. Using Salesforce simply because I've used it for years in my financial field and I'm pretty aware on how to optimize it for what I need, but always be looking to enhance and increase your capabilities. 
So those are a couple quick hitters for me with what I've learned and what I've seen in 2022. Uh, very excited to see what 2023 brings. And I'll wrap with the ask that I mentioned before. If you are part of an organization that does capital lending, funding, equity deals, or you have dry powder yourself, there's a few very solid options in my portfolio right now that I'd be happy to talk to you about. It's a very exciting time where even in a soft economy like we have, the ability to focus on key pieces of the economy that don't have those same fluctuations and to be able to grow and expand, this is the time that we want to do that. As Dr. Kelly said last week, if you're waiting for everybody to say everything's fine, everything's good, it's too late to get in. It's true in the capital markets. It's also true in business. The time is now to make moves. And I'm happy to have a conversation with you about what that might look like in the future. So I'm Mike Demo. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook, Mike Demo. Uh, you can go to my website, growwithdelta.com. I'm happy to put some time on the calendar. I have a scheduling link right on my website. So feel free to connect, and I look forward to hearing about your success in 2023.